Squizplains, your shortcut to more than just the headlines. Squizplains Retail is brought to you by the Commonwealth Bank, a proud supporter of the Squiz and a bank committed to improving the financial well-being of customers and communities. By looking at our daily news email, it seems Squizzes are into a bit of retail therapy, not only shopping, but also stories about new products and trends, as well as the fortunes of our retailers. It's a good topic to wrap your head around, as the retail industry provides us with a snapshot into Australians' everyday lives. How we spend our money gives us an indication about how we live, how we feel about our jobs, the economy and our futures. What we'll do in this episode of Squeeze Plains is have a look at our major food and merchandise retailers, think Coles, Woolies, DJs and Maya, and how things have changed for them over the past 20 years. Then we'll give all of that some context by looking at some global trends, including how we interact with brands and the seemingly inevitable rise of China. And finally, we'll tackle the elephant in all retail boardrooms, Amazon. We'll have a chat with a man they call the retail prophet, Doug Stevens. Amazon is essentially trying to become the world's default when it comes to e-commerce. Ready? You're about to be squeezed I'm Claire Kimball. And I'm Kate Watson. Claire, I don't have much direct experience in working in retail. However, I do have plenty of experience as a shopper. <laughs> I confess I do have um, quite a bit of background in retail. I think like most Australians, I my first job was in retail. I was a shop assistant uh, in a bakery on the outskirts of Albury, um, right sort of through my later high school years and into university. And then when I finished uni, I got my beer money working at Laura Ashley in the Canberra Centre, which was a, a very big store and lots of fun. And many years later, uh, I then worked out at Woolworths headquarters um, on the outskirts skirts of Sydney, so plenty of years under my belt. I did work in a fish and chip shop, so... Yeah, well, that's retail. But just to be clear, it might seem obvious, but retail is the sale of any goods to the public. It's pretty straightforward. When it comes to the consumer, we tend to think of food and general merchandise, which includes clothing, footwear, electronics, basically everything you'd find at a department store as the two main categories. So for the purpose of this podcast, we'll focus on those. To start, let's take a look back 20 years and compare it to today's shopping scene. Claire, it's 1998. Ricky Martin's Cup of Life is the number one song, which, whoa, flashback. (laughs) Titanic is the movie to see and John Howard is our Prime Minister. Let's have a look at the state of retail starting with Food. So when you look at where you're heading out to to go and do your grocery shopping, you're probably heading to one of the major supermarkets. And in those days, it was Woolworths, Coles or Safeway. Coles was still part of the Coles Meyer business. And it was before Wes Farmers bought them and really put a, a rocket under them and, and got them sorted out. But Woolworths and Safeway, who had nearly died uh, a decade before, began a big cycle of growth that saw them dominating the com- coming decade plus. Audi wasn't on the scene yet, uh, but there were other supermarkets like Bilo and Tuckerbag, and they're now, of course, a relic of history. When you look at specialty shopping, though, things like smaller grocers, your fruit and veg, butchers, bakers, delis, those sorts of things, they were still commanding about a third of our spending. More about that later. <laughs> More about that later. And when it comes to takeaway food, uh, note, we're not talking about restaurants. We're just talking about, you know, the fish and chip that fish Kate worked shops. in. Yep, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, that accounted for about 4% of our total spending. And where were we getting our 
our retail therapy. Yeah, your shoes and your clothes yep. and, you know, where you wanted to go out to on a Saturday afternoon with your mates. Uh, Maya and Grace Brothers, who were then part of the same group, and David Jones, they started to struggle. Uh, so their story of struggle actually goes back quite a way. Uh, Kmart yeah, had wow. bounced around with ownership and they weren't doing so well. They were really struggling to get much of a foothold into the market. And Target and Big W, so Target, which was uh, aligned uh, over in another group, and Big W, which is a Woolworths business, even was back then, were doing pretty well. That's where we did all our shopping every season. Go and get your spring clothes. Go and get your summer clothes. Go and get your winter <laughs> <Absolutely>. clothes. <laughs> we loved Portman's. We loved Esprit. We loved Country Road. Country Road then was an Australian-owned business, uh, Sports Girl, those kind of brands. Uh, but we could no longer find it at Fossies. You might remember that jingle. Uh, mm. The icon, which had been around for a really long time, it closed uh, and folded into the Target business. And and you might even remember Kate, the music retail brashes. Uh, it closed well, I'm down. More sanity. I'm uh, more sanity. I more remember sanity. Yeah, yeah sanity was a big deal. And sanity is still going. You know, it's more of an online business. And brashes, which was uh, big in my country town, uh, they closed in 1998. So even way back then, there was a transition and a consolidation happening. And uh, sanity really was the place where you went and got your Matchbox 20 or your Natalie Umbruglia yeah. CD. I'll never forget when sanity. Opened in Marimbula. Oh, big day. Far South Coast. Yeah. It was a big day. Yeah, I bet. Online shopping? We were doing any online shopping? Not, Not really. really. Not really a thing yet. Well, let's fast forward back in the time machine. Let's go to now. Drake's God's Plan is the biggest song of the year so far, which I don't even really know that song, so I don't know what's happening. I'd sing it to you, but you'd be horrified. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not what this podcast is for. Um, Black Panther is the, the... the, the number one movie this year, is that right? Yeah, it was released late last year, but it, it just absolutely dominated early this year. Okay. And we've, um, of course, had two Prime Ministers. It's a bit confusing to know who's <laughs> the PM. It's ScoMo. Yeah. How are we foraging for food these days? So we're still pretty much going back to Coles and Woolworths, uh, although in the intervening 20 years there's been a cycle of of fortunes for those. Coles, uh, when they were bought by Wes Farmers, had a lot of investment put into them and they had a real resurgence and for the first time in a long time really put Woolworths on the back foot, although those fortunes are starting to change now. Coles are about to be demerged out of the Wes Farmers group. Woolworths, though, is having a lot of investment put into it and it's doing pretty well when it comes to the head-to-head battle on that front. Uh, IGA stores, they have really strong local following, so there is competition at that local level. Audi, though, has injected uh, a real new competitive force and there's also other discount food retailers entering the market like Costco, although they're much broader than food, uh, and also another European competitor, Kaufland, is looking at coming to Australia. So there's quite a lot Those of competition. pensioners, they just love Aldi. They really do. And and yeah. more than just pensioners, I tell you, around my neighbourhood, um, a lot of people do their shopping at Aldi. And the butcher, the baker and the candlestick maker are still going strong, Claire. They haven't been decimated as many expected. I think people thought that Coles and Woolies really would take out all of all of those small retailers, but the percentage is now basically uh, the third that they had back in 1998. Got it. 
We still we're getting a lot of takeaway though. We are getting a lot of takeaway. And this might actually be a nice tie into our first podcast about yeah. health. <laughs> well, it all back ends, right? So it sort of explains yeah. how we're living our lives and the and the consequences of that. So when you look at takeaway, uh, although this number includes restaurant food, so just keep that in mind when you compare it to that four percent from nineteen ninety eight. Uh, takeaway food and restaurant food take up fourteen percent of our total spending, and that's um, forty four billion dollars we spent on it last financial year. That just, you don't want to know how much money you spend on food. I think it's better just not to know. <laughs> and of course, you know, busy lifestyles. We're all looking for convenience and yeah, you know, exactly. a good takeaway or a meal out sometimes fills that gap. What about our department stores? What's happening? Maya, David Jones, Big W, they're really doing it tough. Uh, David Jones these days is owned by the South African Woolworths Group. Uh, Maya is uh, out on its own and listed on the stock exchange and it's in the middle of a battle uh, really about its performance. And Big W is still owned by Woolworths but really doing it, it really tough with Kmart. It's the one that's really bucked the trend, right? They uh, put a lot of work over a lot of years in building a really enthusiastic customer base. They have an offer that people understand. It's very different to what you can get at Big W, which – apparently, uh, according to all the experts, really is the key to success. Oh, the big change really is the ability to shop from our couch, though. It really is. Uh, so Australians are really into their online shopping and it's growing um, in double digits every year. Uh, we're getting more and more into me. it. Yeah. Last year, online purchases accounted for about 8% of total retail sales, which might be lower than people think, but it's still mm. about $22 billion worth of goods. Yeah, and interesting to note that the top three things we buy online are consumer electronics, clothing and books, can you tell us quickly, Claire, about this theory in retail of the disappearing middle? So in retail, if you're a high-end luxury brand or retailer uh, or a really down the other end at the discount level, you're doing pretty well okay. Uh, but those in the middle, which is, you know, the Myers, um, those kind of brands, they're really struggling mm. and they have offers that are not really, not really, really expensive, but not really, really cheap. Not really cheap. Yeah, yeah good point. Now, whilst Australia leads the world in a lot of things like sports, medical research and the most deadly wildlife, with retail we tend to be a couple of years behind the bigger nations. So I think we should have a look globally, get a snapshot of what we can expect to come. KPMG this year produced a report into global retail trends with a few key takeouts, the first being that the experience of the customer is more important than ever. That also, you would think, back ends to your own experience. So uh, when you have online stores available to you, um, you might want to go into a store and try things on. Uh, and when you go and do that, you really want it to be a nice experience. You have to be able to cut above all the clutter by making the customer feel like they've done something really great. So uh, more than 90% remember of shopping is still done in stores uh, and winning and retaining their loyalty is really, really key. Uh, retailers are struggling with that sort of just foot traffic. They really want to build a brand loyalty with a customer base that keeps coming back to them. So when we look at some of the most successful brands here in Australia and, and what comes to mind is like the Apples, the Meccas, the Aesops, they all have a unique approach to customer service in their stores. They sort of go above and beyond. It's a real experience with the brand and that's certainly a global trend. That's exactly right. And people do still want to come and touch and feel the products that they want to buy uh, and brands that have 
really excellent what they call multi-channels, um, you know, good stores and a good online experience and good delivery and basically any time you want to do business with them, they've got a good offer. They're the ones who are winning. We'll talk about that a bit later on with Doug in the podcast because some ex- experts are saying that the customer experience will overtake the price as a key brand differentiator. So um, it's an interesting trend, although one that looks way down into the future. Um, we are also much more conscious of what we're buying. We've got a lot more information. We're more informed. Yeah, we really are. And we want our brands to have integrity. Uh, We really are making judgments about what kind of brands they are and how they do their business. And we're a fairly suspicious bunch. We want more transparency about things like the supply chain. We're talking about things like how they source their labor, particularly if they're offshore and that they've signed up to, you know, the anti-slavery conventions and all that kind of thing. Uh, We also want them to be sustainable. So they've got to have some good green credentials if they're in that space. Uh, Customers are valuing authentic brands that stand for something and not just sell stuff. And something else is happening that's affecting retail big time globally, the rise of China. It's really interesting to look at this sort of East versus West kind of discussion and how that's then going to shape the sort of offers that we might get. And with an expanding middle class in China and a shift to a consumer-led economy, uh, they're doing mass-scale retailing in their own way, and it's a very different way to what's happened across America and Europe. Uh, Alibaba, um, if you don't know anything much about that, just get online and Google Alibaba and Jack Ma and have a read about their story. It's quite an incredible one. It has an online marketplace called Taobao and it has 580 million monthly users, which That's, just blows oh. my mind that you could build a platform that could support something like that. By 2030, it's thought that China's middle class will expand by up to about a billion people. Uh, and when you compare that to Europe's projection of about 16 million, it really just sort of puts it into context about how China is going to rise. And that's certainly a lot of new shoppers. I don't even know where to go with that. It's just the numbers are just staggering compared to us down here, but it certainly is incredibly interesting. One of the other trends KPMG identified is AI or artificial intelligence. This brings us swiftly into a conversation about Amazon. We thought about trying to explain this ourselves, <laughs> but we quickly realised we probably needed an expert. Enter Doug Stevens. Doug is a Canadian futurist and retail industry veteran. He's written two books on the future of the industry and before founding The Retail Profit, ran a major New York retail chain. He joined us from Toronto and what you're about to hear are his thoughts on Amazon globally and in Australia. And he'll also highlight some potential flaws in their business. If you're a retailer, a marketer, or just an interested observer, a shopper, you're about to hear a thoughtful perspective. Doug, I'd like to start just by asking you, Amazon, what actually is it? I mean, how excited slash scared which should we be depending on, on what side of the fence we sit? Well, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head um, by asking the question, what is it? I, I think that that's really the first primary question that everyone should try and wrap their heads around. Fundamentally, Amazon is not a retailer. They are many things. They have a division called Amazon Services. And I mean, I'm just giving you sort of a very superficial look, but I mean, Amazon Services allows you to 
hire um, people to do work around your home, whether it's a plumber or an electrician. Um, Amazon Prime is their membership program, which is literally growing leaps and bounds. Uh, people are you know, in, in the U.S., for example, mm. uh, membership in the last quarter in Amazon Prime was up 47 percent. Uh, they have a fulfillment arm called Fulfillment by Amazon that looks after shipping packages for smaller retailers and brands. Amazon Web Services is a huge data arm of the company that does uh, that provides cloud services for organizations like NASA. They have a fully developed uh, device ecosystem, everything from televisions through to handsets and artificial intelligence for the home. They have a media network, an advertising network this year that is going to develop deliver about four point five billion dollars in uh, in revenue. Amazon Music is an offering of theirs, and uh, when it comes to original video production, they're going to spend more this year in original production than HBO. So what do you think the play is here, Doug? We're quite a small market in Australia. We've only got a population of 25 million. Uh, we've got an adjacency, of course, to New Zealand, and then really it's it's up to Asia. What's what's the reason to invest in Australia for the global domination really? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. I think Amazon is essentially uh trying to become the the world's default when it comes to e-commerce. And they're doing it one country and, and one market at a time. So as a shopper, Doug, you said um, it's interesting because we've had a fairly soft launch here, but within four years it can ramp up really quickly. What do you think as a as a shopper here we can expect to see from them in the next sort of 12, 12 months, couple of years? As experienced shoppers ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that um, if, if the playbook looks anything like it has in other countries, I, I think that what they will begin to do once they feel that they really have their heads wrapped around the market, uh, then they start to sort of layer in this ecosystem of value. So mm -hmm. I think that what you will see in Australia is a huge push on Amazon Prime. Once they once they have enough of the components up and running to create that value for consumers, because once you join Prime, you get access to a Amazon Prime Video, mm -hmm. you get access to their music program, uh, you can get free two-day shipping on a, a huge range of items, and Australian shoppers also would then get to participate in Prime Day, which is um, a, a sale day specifically for Prime members, which quite frankly in the U.S. now is rivaling Black Friday. You can tell they're still just in their test and learn phase. We've just had our first Prime Day a, a few months ago, having just turned on the Prime program. So I think they've had one run and it'll be interesting to see how that evolves. Yeah, that's for sure. So, Doug, what do retailers do about Amazon? I'm sure that's a, a common question that you get. Traditionally, any company that has tried to beat Amazon at their own game has not fared very well. Amazon is, in, is essentially in a position to take any industry incumbent so deep underwater mm. for so long uh, that they can literally just um, asphyxiate a competitor, you know. Um, so, you know, taking them on at their own game is not a great idea. Uh, having said that, there are companies in the market, in the U.S. market, and European markets that are thriving in the shadow of Amazon, 
And they're doing it by uh, really trying to be the anti-Amazon, by focusing mm. very, very heavily on customer experience, on trying to trying to drive so deeply into their brand story and articulate a very deep narrative around their, their merchandise and their category. It's a perfect um, transition to my question, which was something you talk about on your website a little bit in that the physical store used to be where the transaction happened, but now the store is really just a, a branding or PR exercise for brands. There's a lot of discussion right now in the industry around the idea that you know, physical stores are becoming unnecessary. I sort of yeah. look at it differently. I, I see that, that what is happening essentially is that media, uh, whether it's my smartphone, my smart TV, a piece of, you know, a, an artificial intelligent uh, device in, in my home, uh, all of these forms of media now are essentially becoming the store. But the, the flip side of that is that Stores are now turning into a very, very powerful form of media. Brands are sort of awakening to the fact that we don't need physical stores anymore to, uh, you know, just to simply perform transactions and to merchandise products. But it is by far, in my opinion, the most powerful, manageable and measurable media channel that brands have at their disposal. And the other side, I guess, to balance that is Amazon's bringing great prices and product range to people in a way that's very affordable and a, and a range that's so extensive that you just can't get it in your shopping mall. Yeah, which um, goes to our next question, which is 20 years down the track, what does Amazon look like? What does retail look like? Well, I think the one thing that may blow your mind is that I believe that within 10 years, Amazon could be in a position where it's facing some some real hurdles. Amazon's uh, potential inability to uh, continue to completely reinvent what e-commerce actually looks like and means may actually uh, wind up being one of the things that brings them down because Amazon is basically just a digital catalog when you get right down to it. But it's mm. not fun. It's not interactive. It's not social. But mm. I talk with startups virtually every other week that are literally trying to reinvent the way we shop online and make it far more experiential and fun and immersive and social. So, Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Doug, but um, you're saying that, that you believe that Amazon's going to face quite a few challenges in the future. Yeah, I think that Amazon has, has to worry about is the relationship that they have with their employees. In the U.S. market in particular, Amazon has come under tremendous scrutiny for working conditions, uh, pay uh, levels. Uh, but at the same time, they are moving people out and they're moving robots in. And then the last thing I think that really is troubling is that, you know, while Amazon is inviting brands onto their platform to have direct relationships with consumers – at the same time, Amazon is trademarking its own brand names across categories and and slowly but surely launching products that go into direct competition with the brands that they you know presume to be partnering with. Uh, so at some point, if brands awaken to the idea that they are basically providing research to Amazon, so that Amazon can build its own private label products that compete with them, mm. uh, it could result in a defection. 
where brands start saying, look, it's not in our best interest to sell on, on Amazon anymore because at the end of the day, Amazon has all of the data from our sales and that could work against us. So when you put all those things in, um, in combination, I think it could, it could prove deadly for Amazon. Oh, on that note, I feel like we might need to do a part two with you. <laughs> no, thanks so much for, for joining us, Doug. We could we could keep going. There's plenty to talk about. But you've given us such a good overview of, of Amazon and, and what to look out for. Oh, you, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much, Doug. Thanks so much for listening to Squeeze Splains Retail. For those who aren't already, jump onto the squeeze.com.au with uh, another episode of Squeeze Splains Health if you're interested and uh, we'll be announcing our next episode shortly. Our news email is free to subscribe to and at 6am each weekday it'll get you across the news of the day. Thanks to regular squeezers for their support. Until next time. The Squeeze is a free weekday email and podcast where your shortcut to being informed. Sign up at thesqueeze.com.au.